You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We're going to be starting today's DAP, which we did a good amount of it yesterday. Let's take a look and see where we are. Um, we had a, a Teretz uh, from Rabbi Yitzchok. Rabbi Yitzchok, the mower of Merit's Israel, that when it comes to Muktzah, Muksa is sort of like a virus, as we said. It spreads to the things that are connected to it. And you're not allowed to take a keli for the sake of muksa. In other words, the keli is a good keli. And now you're using it for a muksa. The same way muksa you can't move, you can't move something for the sake of muksa. That was what Rabbi Yitzchuk said. And that's why he says, even if it means that the egg is going to break and the, and the hen lays the egg in the street, uh, where people could step on it, you cannot try to save it because you're trying to save something that's muksa. Okay, that is the uh, idea of Rabbi Yitzchok. So on that, we had a number of uh, questions to try to figure out. So we stopped on Friday at this question. Um, Toshma, let's see if Rabbi Yitzchok is correct. Let's see if his theory is right that you do not, um, you do not uh, move something for the sake of a muksa. Toshma. Okay, so the machzalot is a nice cover. You can definitely use it. Uh, it's not a muksa thing. Uh-oh, but what are you using it for? I'm covering up bricks. Why am I covering up the bricks? Well, maybe I don't want the bricks to get wet, right? Rashi says, right? <laughs> Maybe there was some sort of uh, wetness on the brick. You don't want the rain to, to ruin your building material. So what you do on Shabbos, according to this b'risa, is that you're able, or Mishnah or b'risa, you're able to take uh, something which is a keli and cover building material. Well, building material is muksa, right? You're not going to build on Shabbos. Right? It's, 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 it's meant to be used during the week. It's, it might be muksa on many levels. If you're a Home Depot man, then you're selling those bricks. If you're using it for your own binyan, then again, it's muksa le binyan. So what right do you have to move it for the sake of a muksa? So the Gemara says, B'Shabbos, what right do you have to move it on Shabbos for muksa? This goes against Rabbi Yitzchak. So the Gemara's answer is, It's not based, oh, this is what you're going to start building on Sunday. You're going to build your uh, attachment to your house with this, uh, your new attachment. We're talking about your addition. Here we're talking about that it's leftovers. This is stuff the contractor ordered more than necessary. You ordered more than necessary, and you've got these extra bricks there. You're levenim. So what are you going to do with them? The chazian lemizga. You've already got in your mind. Hey, this is going to be my, my my porch furniture for people to sit outside in the lawn and and and, and be able to sit on them. Rashi explains why. Because it's easy to lie on them. Like people could just sit on them and like lie. It's, it's not a couch, but you could still lie. Uh, Rashi says, That's the way everybody sat then. A little bit of sitting. But you need a little bit of a left leaning, just like on at the Seder. That's the way all sitting was done, as Rashi says. So whenever you have leftover bricks, hey, that's perfect. Put them out in the lawn. It doesn't need to have a good, strong back for it. Everyone's going to be leaning anyway when they're sitting there in the porch or in the yard. Therefore, it's not muktza. We're not talking about stuff that was left, stuff that you were planning on building, stuff that's left over. Since it's not muktza, that's why you're allowed 
to cover it on on Shabbos. Toshma, how about this one? Porsen machzalot gabi kaveret dvorim b'Shabbos. Beehives. You have a beehive or a bee container. It's got the kaveret. It's got the all the bees are in it. Busy like bees, <laughs> creating honey, and this is a great thing. But what are you worried about? You worried about what are you worried about? You worried about? Hang on one second. Uh, let me just. Let me just um, you worried about stuff getting it's it, it, it's 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 the elements. You're afraid something's going to happen on the out. You're, you're worried that the elements are 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 going to affect your uh affect your bees, affect your honey. So you're allowed to put something over them. Let's look at the brisa clearly though. In other words, when it's in the sun, it's when in the summer, when it's very warm, you don't want to get too warm for those buddies. You want them to be able to make their honey properly. And then in the winter, there is, it sounds like they are working in the winter at this point. We think they're working in the winter. And what you're worried about is that the, the, the elements are going to ruin it. So here you are, that what? Here you are, Putting stuff over this kaveret, as long as when you do it, don't have kavana to trap the bees in there. So you're covering the 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 kaveret with the machzelet, with the uh, coverlet, with this uh, cover. As long as you don't have kavana for tzeda, it's okay. But during the winter, what are we talking about? During the winter, is there any honey in there? And Mercer says, yes. There was honey in there. It isn't just the kaveret that you plan on using in the future. There's a lot of honey in there now. The bees, of course, might be muktza, but the honey isn't. And since you could get the honey, that would give you the right to move it. And it's considered not muktza. You can move something for the sake of the honey. There are bees in there, but there's also honey that you can also get out of there. Second time we've had him in a couple of days. Rav Ukva Mishan said to Ravashi, Tinach Hachama. That makes sense in the summertime. There's a lot of honey in there. But let's go to the next one. However, as you're going to see in a minute, let's say, when it, Memgimel Mebez, Dikadvash, Bimos Hagishamim, Dilekadvash, when it comes to the winter, there's usually no honey in there. That's they're not working in them. They're sort of like an hibernation then. Mayikal <laughs> What are you gonna say then? Then it just seems to be protecting your bees. Your bees are mutzah. There are these two big loaves, uh, waxy loaves, and there is some honey in there. Why? says Rashi. Rashi tells you, Rashi, of course, all over Shas, knows everything about how animals and insects and everything works. Here's Rashi. All these, these beehives, the bees sort of on their own uh, create these big towers, these big, uh, which I guess their own wax, maybe they also, uh, the wax comes out of their body as well. I don't know, somehow they're able to create the honey and the wax comb. 
Vishava. Maybe you provide the wax and they turn it into this uh, tower. Ukeshirodinosan. And then when you get all the honey out, let's say before the winter, and the bees are still in there, manichen boshtayim, you leave over two of these uh, cones there, two of these wax uh, aspects, which have the honey in it. Why? Because they're not going to, they're not just asleep. They need stuff to munch on in their hibernative type of state. So they need some honey in there for them to, to sort of eat. As we know from the Gemara Baba Basra, that if you uh, buy a kaveret from your friend, so the person who sells them, ha- um, if, if, when you buy them, you have to leave shtei chalot. Because, of course, the person doesn't want to leave the, the all possibility of, of replenishing. So every person who had a beehive always had these two loaves in the winter for the hibernating bees, semi-hibernating bees, to be able to get some honey out of. So that's honey. That's a food. That's not muktzah. That's why you can cover it even in the winter time. But the Gemara says, third line here, <laughs> but that, those loaves are muktzah. Why are they muktzah? Says Rashi. <laughs> because that's what you want your bees to feed off. You don't want to take the honey out of there. That's the whole point. The Gemara says, you have to say, according to this Bryce, according to Rabbi Yitzchak, that before Shabbos, you were thinking, you know what, I might need some honey. I don't know if we have enough. Hey, oh, that stuff that's in the, in the back with the beehive, the little bit of honey that's there for the, hi, the semi, semi-hibernators, yeah, I'm going to get some, I'm thinking about that. So since you thought about that honey, therefore it wasn't muktza, and therefore when the rain started during that winter time, you're able to take the coverlet and use it uh, on top of the hive. But let's say, if this is correct, that would mean that if you didn't in this case, since you hadn't thought about it in advance, then there would be a problem because it would be muktzah. It would be usher according to Rabbi Yitzchak. And it would be usher for you to take the coverlet and put it over the hive. So here comes again a typical Talmudic question. If this is true, that there's another issue here, that this is really a brice about muktzah. And it's telling you, hey, it's all right to put the coverlet on there, but don't have kavana to trap it. If that, it since the, the, the subject of this brysa is how to deal with things you might think are muktzah, and it's teaching you it's not, then why did the brysa have to jump to another malacha of tzedah? which is not the real subject of the b'risa. The b'risa is about tiltul. The b'risa is about moving stuff. So, this that the b'risa has to teach you. Why does the b'risa have to teach it in such a way? The b'risa is teaching you, hey, uh, make sure, this is mutter, but don't start having things in your brain that you want to make sure, I want to trap those bees. It looks like they, those, those sleepy bees might be waking up. Uh, this this makes sure that there's they're definitely in there and they're not going to escape. Why do you have to start throwing in another malacha called seda trapping? You're able to, to fine-tune the halacha by showing when it's right and when it's not 
within its own subject, the liflug, the listening bedido, show the different case and teach it within itself. Which means what? It's a typical Gemara phrase. It's all. This is one of the key aspects of how the Gemara works, how the Talmud's questions work. When is it that this is okay during the Emosagishamim to take the coverlet and put it over the beehive when you were thinking about that honey in the in the hive, which is unusual? And if you didn't have positive thoughts to sometimes maybe use the honey on Shabbos, oh, sir, that would have been a much clearer way. Why did you throw in a completely foreign subject, which is about Seder? It must be that Rav Yitzchuk is wrong, <laughs> that really you can move something for the sake of a muksa. And that's why when the Bryson wants to teach you when it's mutter and when it's oser, the Bryson has to insert a foreign subject. But according to Rav Yitzchuk, there'd be no purpose for it. So this is a question on Rav Yitzchuk. So the more answers, Kamash Malon. What this teaches you is, it's teaching you a chiddush in muksa, yes, that even though you thought about it, be careful about something else. In other words, we're trying to tell you that, yeah, we know you know enough about muksa. You know what? We want to teach you something else. And even though you've thought about it, uh, take care about, don't worry, be careful about the tzedah. It's not such a great answer, but that's the Gemara's answer. Gemara says, okay, I still have a problem. Mani. Who would then the bribes to be going like? E Reb Shimon, if it's like Reb Shimon. We know Reb Shimon is very makel in Muktza, Leslie Muktza. He really doesn't hold of Muktza so much. And therefore, according to Reb Shimon, it probably isn't a problem um, to be saying, oh, he, you better be thinking about using the honey so therefore, Reb Shimon, why would you need to say, even though you've thought about the honey, take care about the tzeda problem? Reb Shimon, you don't even you don't even need it. It doesn't need to be a case where you thought about the honey on Friday afternoon. Even if the honey wasn't in your mind Friday afternoon, you'd probably be allowed to cover the the hive. Eat Reb Yehuda, if it's like Reb Yehuda, hmm, you're going to tell me that's because Reb Yehuda is the machmer on muktza, so. What did you say? That don't have kavana to trap the bees? Kivo miskaven, my have. Even if when you put the cover with over, you're not thinking about trapping those semi-hibernators, still, hadover shayn miskaven also. Ravudas of the opinion that even when that's not in your kavana, but when you do an act, all you're trying to do is save bees, but at the same time, you do the act of trapping. Remember, the template is like moving the chair, which puts the grooves into the house. It's the same thing here. I'm trying to just protect my bees. Hey, you just did the malachim tzeda. I don't care if you didn't have kavana for it. It's still us. So therefore, the b'risa can't be Rabbi Huda, and it, and it doesn't seem like it can be Rabbi Shimon either. Once again, Rabbi Yitzchak is being attacked. Rabbi Yitzchak will say, this price is Rabbi Yehuda. Hmm. What does it mean? What does it mean that that you don't have kavana for tzeda? What does that mean? It doesn't mean really. It means it means put the coverlet over, but don't put the coverlet over like a real huntsman's trap. How does that? Leave some space. If you leave some space, 
that means even though it tech it will still protect from the rain and the elements, but it's not like a complete trap. And this way, it's not like the trapping occurs. As Rashi says, Don't cover it completely. Leave a little bit of space. So some of the bees could get out if they can wake up and get out of there. So this way, It's not called pure tzedah as long as there's a little bit of space left. Okay, so that would be the answer that we've said according to Rabbi Yitzchok. Rav Ashi Omar, Mik Toni Rav Ashi says this whole question is predicated on the fact that during the winter, the bees are hibernating, there's probably not too much honey, whatever honey's there is meant for them, and therefore this is what they need to sort of munch on in their fat sleep. And therefore, we had to go through all these answers. The Bryson never said it was happening in the winter. All it said was, put the cover with on, the chama mipnei chama, It doesn't say that it was the days of winter or the days of summer. It was a, a time period, yes, when you might have intense sun and you might have a stormy rain. What could that be? Ketani. When could that be? Bimei nisun, bimei tishrei. As we've seen just recently, during Nisan and Tishrei, the Ika Chama, the Ika Gishamim. Sometimes you can have a sunny day when it's too hot, and sometimes you can have an over rainy day. And of course, the, 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 what both of them have in common is the Ika Dvash. There's always going to be honey during that period. It's not, in, it's not even uh, Tishrei is not into the winter season at all. And the same thing is true in terms of Nisan. It's early enough. Uh, it, it's late or early enough. It's not. It's late enough in the sense that there is going to be honey there, and that's what the case is talking about. And therefore, none of this, none of these questions are really a question. Amar Lu Rav says to the people in the base medrash, he said, "Let's see, Pukuva Go tell Rav Yitzchok in Eretz Yisrael. Go tell him that what." What are we going to tell Rabbi Yitzchok? Kvar tirgama ravuna l'shmaitech v'bovel. Your humra about about not taking a muksa for another muktzaidem that has already, in a way, been explained by the great ravuna in bovel. The Yom Ravuna, oisin mechitza v'meis b'shvil chai. Hmm. So what happened? What happened was. You're, you have uh, a dead body. So you have a dead body, and you don't want it to get ruined. You don't want it to start smelling. You want it to cover a mace. But the only way you could put up some sort of mechitza, some sort of way to cover it, is only if living people get involved. And if living people get involved, then you could use the mechitza for them. Which means you can't use a cover or some other protective non-mux item and use it in service of the mux item, which is the dead person. 
Yes, you know that you're thinking, oh, this is going to help the mace, but that's only Bishvil Chai. It's only because there's a living person that this is working for as well. And that could be your shtick, that could be your primary purpose. At least that's what the lip, your lip service you're paying to. So you're not technically taking the muksa for the muksa. You're not taking a non-muksa for a muksa. The ain osin mechitza lemace, bishvil mace. But if you don't have a living person around, you can't just say, I want to protect the mace. And that shows you that you can't, that's Rabbi Yitzchak's Yisod, about how strong the extension of muksa goes. Mahi, what was the case in actuality? What are the details of what Rav Sheshis was talking about? That what? It might be Jan Murray's brother. That what? That let's say you have a person who died, Nebuch, and his body is lying there in the, in the heat. Two people come by the base, and they sit down next to it, and they sit with their tush on the ground. So what do they do? It's a shtick. Once it becomes really hot for them, they start talking to each other and saying, hey, Mutt, uh, Mutt and Jeff, hey, isn't it pretty hot? Yeah, I'm feeling hot on my backside too. What do you do? So. So one says, I'm getting one of these little uh, sofalets and putting it down here. Yeah, it's got, and it has like a little bit of wood on it. So yeah, it's pretty tall. Okay, I'm getting my, my thing to sit down because I'm hot. It says, hey, Jeff, I'm also hot. And then they're sitting there. And of course, it's all an act. And then they're saying, yeah, hey, Mutt, don't you feel a little bit hot? It starts getting hot just sitting there in the sun. They say, hey, yeah, I'm pretty hot. Hey, you know what? Let's go. We're both sitting here. Let's go get some sort of uh, cover or some sort of linen sheet uh, that's going to make it cool from the heat. And they sort of cover it, just like when you give the person uh, on Simchas Torah, when you give the person Chos and Torah, and you, you cover him up with the talus or a Chosim. Parson Okay. And then they say, yeah, this is good. Then they do their shtick. Then they move away, because now it was working for them. And now they flip their beds. <laughs> and when they flip their beds, they don't have to stand there with their hands holding it. This one flips his bed, and that creates the length of the bed, becomes like a pole. And the other one does that as well. And he leaves. And then it turns out that it wasn't like a normal machitza where you build, uh, where you first, right? Because first you actually did the bottom where they were sitting. And first, I'm sorry, first you did the spread, and then the beds now become walls. And that's the shtick that you can use on Shabbos to allow a Kovet Ames. Because we're worried about Muktza otherwise. So this is the Chiddush of Rav Huna, And this is what Rav Shesha sent a message to Rabbi Yitzchok. Hey, Rav Huna, the great 
Amora of Eretz Yisrael lines up with you. Okay, since we're talking about that, it marmeis hamutol b'chama, since we are talking about the idea of a meis nebuch in the, in the, uh, lying there in the, in the heat, Rav Yehuda Amar Shmuel, Rav Yehuda said in the name of the great Shmuel, hov chamimita lamita. What you can basically do since, uh, you can, uh, it sounds like he's dead, nebuch, on a bed. So what you do is you bring a bed next to him, and then you basically, you know, with COVID, flip him from one bed to the other. So you're able to pretty much move the mace. Now, this is called tiltum and it's the, it's the abnormal way for moving it. Normally, you would just pick the bed up or you'd pick the mace up and carry it into a place that was cooler that would prevent the, 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 the desecration of the mace. But Rav Shmuel says, Shmuel says you can act, the way you do it is in an, an unusual way. What you do is you actually flip it, you flip the body, again, without, with kavod, from one bed to the other. And this way you move each bed, and eventually you get it, as Rashi says, ad shemagia with sail. Until you get where you want to go. So that's Nebuch, the way you have to do it. That's according to Shmuel. Let's go to the next shita. That's going to be Rav. That's going to um, Rav Chananya Bar Shalmi Mishmei the Rav Amar Maniachalov Kikar Otinok. What you have, what the way to get this maze, and we saw this the earlier Gemara about David Amelach about a week ago. The way to do this is to actually put a food item or a child on the dead body, and then you have a special heter to move the body is the body's like a table that the child is on. So that was Rav's Eitzah. So now the question is, uh, what's the parameters of the argument? So the Gemara says, If there happens to be a kikar around or a child that seems to be in discovery and the child will sit on the dead body, then of course Shmuel will admit this is sort of the Eitzah that Chazal have for moving a dead body into a better environment on Shabbos if it's out in a place with bizoyon or with affected by the elements. Ki plige, there's a machlokas of Rav and Shmuel to Lesle. In other words, Rav is saying the only Eitzah you have is the baby, the, the child, or some sort of other food item on top. But if you don't have that, you can't pick the mace up and do a different type of moving. Why? Because Marsov, our tiltel minatzad, shmei tiltel. Rav says, even though it's an unusual kalacharyad, as Rashi says, it's an unusual way to carry this dead body, it's still called moving muksa. Shmei tiltel, it's called tiltel and muksa. Marsov, or lo shmei tiltel. So that's really the machlok, is if tiltel minatzad is called muksa or not. Shmuel says it isn't. And therefore, Shmuel says, flip the body from bed to bed. Let's say this machlekas, Rab and Shmuel, is really has a precedent in, a, in an earlier machlekas. What does it say? What does this Brysa say? In the Brysa machlekas, it says, Ein matzi 
let's say there's a fire has has broken out and everybody's running out and unfortunately someone is dead in the house as well so are you allowed to pick the body up go outside into Sarabim carrying the mace so the Bryce says no you can't you can't just say you can't be over because of Kavad Ames Om Rebuta Ben Lokish Shamati Shamatsiunas Ames from the Adleka Yuda Ben Lokish says I heard from very reliable uh, Tanatic sources earlier than me that says you are allowed to so what's going on with this Bryce so hey Chidami if you're going to say that there was a baby around or something that you can use, the normal chazal eitzah of put something on it and treat the mace like a table, my time in the Tanakama. Why would the Tanakama say you cannot save the mace from the fire? And Italeka, if there isn't a baby, my time in the Rebuta Ben Lakish. It must be they're arguing whether you're allowed to flip the mace and move it in an unusual way, which means Yehuda ben Lokish is like Shmuel, and the Tanakama is like Rav, and Alav betiltum minatzad pligei, the Marsaver tiltum minatzad shmei tiltul. And that's the Tanakama. And that's why, if you don't have the baby, I'm sorry, Mukta rules, and, 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 the, and, and the dead body might get scorched. Mar Savar Loshme Tiltal, and the other one says, no, that's not called Tiltal, and the same way we allow the type of muksa with the baby, we're going to allow the muksa by flipping from bed to bed, and that would be like Shmuel. So, of course, this helps Shmuel a little bit, because now Shmuel has a reference point to Yehuda ben Lokish's Mesora. So the Mara says, lo, to Kuliyama Tiltal Minatzad Shme Tiltal. Really, we're going to defend Rav here and say that both opinions might hold that this would be called Muktza. But why did Yehuda ben Lakish have a Mesorah that it was allowed? It was a special allowance because of the fire. Hainu time to Yehuda ben Lakish. Why? And we find this in other places in Chazal. Because when a person is emotionally involved, obviously, about the mace. He's emotionally involved about this dead body. So Chazal understood that we've got to let him move the mace, even though this is a pure violation of Muksa, because Elo Sharisley, if we don't allow him, then what he'll do is saying, I'm not going to let Grandpa pa get burnt. I am extinguishing the flame. Since we know that's the mental mindset that you have, we said, you know what? We're just going to allow you to do it. We have a similar halacha where Odom Bohulal Mimono, and that's part of the reason why we allow certain heterim of Eitzah and other things to carry on, on, on Arab Shabbos. People are bohil about things. People are nervous and worried. And even though they're learned and they know the halacha, they will violate the halacha because of this overwhelming emotional thing, whether it's worry about their money or worry about the covet of their departed person. So because of that, Chazal gave a special hetem. Amr Yudah ben Sheva, Amr Ravasim, Rabbi Yechanan, Alokha Yudah ben Lokish, Bemes. And that is what you're allowed to do. You are allowed to take the mace. And according to this, you wouldn't have to do tiltul minatzad. According to this other answer, 
you could nebuch if this happens, just lift the mace normally and take the mace out into a Carmelis, uh, not into necessary. Again, that would be the question. Uh, another question, of t- but taking it to the Chotzer, uh, where it's not the Carmelis, I'm not sure, but taking it to the Chotzer, maybe even to the Carmelis, possibly, uh, even if it's a Hoitzah, the Rabbonon, we still might be mad for that. You have to take that look up. It should be Aloha that we never have to deal with. Next. The Mishnah said that the oil that you're trying to catch, the oil is muktzah, and you can't get hanoa from the muktzah. The Brisa teaches us that leftover oil that's in the candle, uh, you can't, even though the candle was burnt out, it's usr. Why? Because the muksa is there not just when it's burning. The muksa is there even after it burns. Rav Shimon Matir. Rav Shimon says once this candle is burnt out, you do have a right to use the extra oil. Again, Rav Shimon is a much bigger maker than muksa, and he says that you've probably had your mind on it from before. Next Mishnah. Metaltalin ner chodosh. Metaltalin ner chodosh. Avalo yoshav. When it comes to uh, tiltal, there's no candle burning in here. What we're talking about here, this is tomorrow's daf, what we're talking about here is a candle without fire in it. It's a nair, it's the container. But what is it? It's a new one. It's brand new. It doesn't have the gunk in it. It doesn't have the junk in it. It hasn't yet had a candle with its oil or wax burning in it and attaching itself disgustingly to the, to the, to the shell of the nair. So therefore, yeah, hey, I could use this to put uh, tiddlywinks in. I could use this to put the monopoly pieces in. That's okay. Avulo yashan. But if it's already like gunky, as I said before, it's mias. Reb Shimon says, I'm not so worried about Mias. <laughs> the only one you can't use? If it's actually burning on Shabbos now, then you can't move it. But as we saw before, you could use the oil afterwards. And it sounds like if, if it gets empty on Shabbos, it sounds like you might even be able to use that. In other words, once the oil is finished, you can actually use it as a container, according to Reb Shimon. So that is like what? That is like our Mishnah. That's Rabbi Yehuda. Rav Meir Omer Kohaneros Metaltovin. Again, that sounds like Rav Shimon, but you're going to see in a minute it's not. Meaning, I'm going to tell you. I also agree that we don't have this idea of muktzamach masmius. However, what I will say is that the Shabbos candle itself, the one you used for this Friday night, even though now it burned cleanly and it's now like an empty container, that you cannot use. In other words, in the case of Rav Meir, where it, cle- it burnt out, now you could use it as a container for your tiddlywinks. But while it was burning, you couldn't, which means Rav Shimon is the biggest mekel. And that's what it says. Kavsa 
If it becomes extinguished, you're allowed to move it and use it for what you want. Avokos ukara vashishus, a kos kara and ashishus, right? Which is also even bigger than that. It's bigger than the nair. It's a huge lantern-like. It's like a cup the size of a Henry VIII cup, a big plate, uh, even bigger than that, a lantern. That, even Rav Shimon says, once it goes out, you can't move it. Rabbi Lezer Rav Shimon Omer, that's Rav Shimon Bar Yochai's son. Nistapek menaner hakova. That if the nair has gone out and there's still oil there, you can take some of that oil. Okay. Even if some of the oil spills out on the floor and the, and the main lamp is still burning, you could take some of that and put it on your salad. So there's four opinions. What is the Gemara going to analyze it and say? Omar Abaya, the analyst. Rabbi Eliezer Bereb Shimon, you know that last opinion, Rabbi Eliezer Shimon? He holds like his father in one way. He's definitely going in the sheet of his dad, but he's going against his dad and furthering Heterim that you don't see in his dad, in Rav Shimon. He argues in some way. Because obviously, as Rav Shimon said, that you can use the oil, you can, if the oil drops out, you can take some of it, that after it burns out, that's not a problem. But but he argues, he goes even further than his father in terms of his eterim. The father said, Rav Shimon said, while it's burning, then it's It's meant to just be a candle for Shabbos. You got to leave it alone. It's muktzamach masister during the time it's burning. You know, mentally, you know, it's going to burn out and you have in mind to maybe use the container or use the leftover oil. But while it's burning, you can't get, you can't get any benefit from it. Even though it's still burning, it hasn't been extinguished, you can still make use of the stuff that's dripping out of it while it's burning. So therefore, Rebozer Berb Shema, like all good sons, learn from their father and go even further. What did Reb Shimon say about those? He said, when it comes to the big ones, you shouldn't even move them at all even after they burn out. Now, why? Why did Shimon say those were different? Maishnahani, why are those different than Rav Shimon's heter for the regular lamp? Amar Ula, hmm, that's not Rav Shimon talking. Rav Shimon himself probably would allow it, even if they're nice and big, Ula says. That brysa, we got to do a little bit of patchwork in the brysa, a little bit of monkey wrenching. Save for that, when we mentioned the kos and the ashishus, also Rabbi Yehuda. That's according to Rabbi Yehuda. Meaning, let's go back to Rabbi Yehuda and see what was Rabbi Yehuda saying. Rabbi Yehuda said, as you can see up here, um, On that, we're seeing that Rabbi Yehuda feels that if you have a kos, a kara, or an ashishus, that's where Rabbi Yehuda was saying that it would be usr. Hmm. That would be usr, even if it's a new one. 
because it's meant to use for to be a big flame. It's not meant to use to be a container. That's going according to it's a chumrah in muktz according to Rabbi Yehuda. That's Ula's answer in the Brisa. Maskafli marzutra, ihochi my avol. What's the chiddush? Avol. It's mutter. Why? Why should you think it's mutter? Right? Why should you think it's mutter? Right? Because he already says. Uh, Rabbi says, So you think a new cup you can't move? <laughs> Obviously, a new cup you can move. It's not mius, even though you set it aside for for, to, for for your lantern. The lantern hasn't been used yet. Why shouldn't you be able to use it? The Gemara doesn't. I I have a little bit of an answer. My answer would be because this big thing, once you set it aside. It is a chumr of muksa, but the Gemara doesn't feel that makes sense. That's Marzuka's question. What do you mean? Why should you think it's usher? It's never been used yet. Really, you don't monkey wrench the brisa. The brisa is like Reb Shimon, and it's a isser Reb Shimon is giving. Why is there an isser? I'll tell you why. Where does Reb Shimon allow things? Biner. Rav Shimon allows it if it's nice and small. That's where Rav Shimon allows it. Because why? Zuta. Because it's nice and small. And you say, hey, this could work for tiddlywinks. Didaito ale. Hey, once this burns out cleanly, I could put uh, who knows in it. Avalhani, denefishelo. These other ones are bigger. And since they're bigger, therefore, you're not thinking about it for anything except especially since it just had oil burning in it, anything except for that. So here, Rav Shimon will be machmer. So the Gemara says, is that true? Latanya, we have a price about Rav Shimon that says, Moser Hashem and Shebener, check it out. Veshebekara Oser. Even in the big plate, it's Oser. So even though it's nice and big, you see, you still were thinking about using it once it burnt out. So it says, but Rav Shimon is matir. So you can't tell me that Rav Shimon is the author of the earlier uh, troubling section of the Brisa, Marzutra, because here it says Rav Shimon allows it even in a big plate. So Marzutra is going to answer, Would you just quote it to me that mentions a, a kara? It doesn't mention a kos. It doesn't mention ashishus. It just says kara and ner. The kara we're talking about that is a kara that's similar in size to your typical lamp. And therefore, since it's small, and you had it in mind to use it. Here the kara is like a big cup, a big cup that Henry VIII would drink from. That's already too big. That's the type of thing you're not thinking about it for anything else. There, Rabbi Shimon would say it's muksa. Amar Rabzeira, pamot. And this is in modern Hebrew, they use this a lot. Pemotim. What pemot did you get for your daughter-in-law? Pemot, menorah shomatechet. So the pemot, unlike the cheap one that's made from, uh, that's made from clay, that's made from clay, the pemot, so therefore that's metal, that doesn't get disgusting. Pemot sheidliku bo b'shabbos. If this is the one you've used this Shabbos, so, Ledivrei hamatir oser. 
Rav Meir was the one who said before that you're allowed to use an empty pamot. Remember, you can use the empty pamot. But here, it would be usr. Why? Because it's burning. L'divrei ha'osir, Rav is the one who said that you cannot use a, uh, a, a, a one that's made from clay. You cannot use an old one because it's muksamach mismis. Here, he would actually say that what? A pamot might be mutter. Let's read it again. It might be mutter to move it, even what? Even if you're, it's, it's burning. Is that so? Reviewed is very machmir when it's a disgusting item that even though there's nothing burning in there, ooh, that's me, you can't move it. But But even though an iser is happening, it's burning. And by moving it, who knows, if you move it in an uncareful way, you might cause it to become extinguished. That he allows? How could that be? Vatanya, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Kolaneros Shel Matechet, that if you have a nair that's made of metal, in other words, a container that's made of metal, metaltalin, of course, you can move them around and use them. But you can't use one that, that's burning now or one that you even lit before Shabbos. So how could Reb Zeyre say that according to Reb Yehuda, it's mutter to move this thing? Yehuda seems to be on record that he does hold of Muqsamach Mesister while it's burning. So obviously that's not what Reb Zeyre said. El yitmar hoch yitmar. Omer Reb Zeyre, pamot shehidliku alav b'shabbos. If there's a pamot that you used for this Shabbos, even though when, when it burns out, it usually is pretty clean and nice, no heter. Divrei akol osr. At least Yehuda and Shimon, Yehuda and Meir. Shimon might allow it. But Yehuda and Meir, of Yehuda and Meir, would say it's osr. Let's say you didn't use it this Shabbos, even though generally you do use it for your, for your, for your lights. You do use it, but you didn't use it for this Shabbos. Everybody would hold it smutter. Nobody would hold there's any problem. Even if there's some leftover junk in there, it doesn't become mius. It might have some extra wax, extra other stuff, and that might not be clean, but it would be mutter. Okay, so that is half of tomorrow's daf. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.